Can we have a huge round of applause for this great panel? And I'm going to give it off to them. Am I leading this one? All right. Hey, guys. How's it going? Everyone having a good Friday morning? And hey. Um, sick. All right. So we're going to be talking about merchant adoption and uh, paying with lightning, it sounds like. Um, so to kick it off, uh, I am Nifty Elsa Lisa, longtime uh, spec developer, um, excited to be kicking this off. Why don't we just go through and get each of you to introduce yourself, um, talk about maybe what your relationship to Lightning and Merchant Payments is, just so people have an idea about what we're up to. Hi, I'm UTXO. Uh, I'm an open source developer working primarily on BTC Pay Server and increasingly Noster. Um, and I run a company called Nodeless.io, which is a no KYC privacy focused merchant adoption platform and a proud member of the blue check resistance. Fuck the blue check. Hi, my name is João. I'm co-founder of OpenNode. Uh, you probably heard of us with the McDonald's integration El Salvador, the recent political campaigns and all that good stuff. So we're all the guys behind it. Happy to be here. Hi, uh, I'm Jose Lemus. I'm CEO of Ibex. Uh, well, we have two basic... Uh, businesses. So one is uh, infrastructure. We like to say we do fintech on lightning. And uh, the other one is, you know, we have a merchant payments uh, system for brick and mortar stores, but also online now with integrations with WooCommerce, Shopify, etc. And yeah. Cool. So it sounds like we kind of have a good representation of like different options for people that want to accept payments with Lightning, right? You guys are like the background infrastructure providers that make it possible for people that want to accept Lightning. They would ideally come to you guys and like pick one of your implementations. Um, maybe we should talk through kind of like what the trade-offs there is. So like if I'm like, uh, you know, there's in-person payment acceptance and then there's online payment acceptance, right? It sounds, I think if I'm right about this, like a couple of you guys are online only, right? Um, some of you, uh, it sounds like with the McDonald's integration, like OpenNote has been doing, that's more in-person payment stuff, right? Point of sale things. Um, uh, maybe you could, could you guys just kind of give like maybe the pitch for the project that you're working on? Like if someone in the audience wanted to start accepting payments, like why would they pick the project that you're working on? Like, what kind of features are you offering? Like, are you making it easy for them? Are you doing, like, uh, I don't know. Maybe we can get into the self-custodial versus, like, a, a more custodial option in a second here. But maybe, yeah, just kind of give the pitch for your project so people, if they were interested. Um, sure. So for Nodeless, uh, the idea for it came because after working several years on BTC Pay Server and trying to get merchants to use it, uh, it was pretty tough to uh, see them struggling managing the Lightning node. Uh, this was the hard part, whether it was acquiring inbound liquidity or like little bugs that you would see with stuck HTLCs and all this kind of thing. So the idea behind Nodeless was how can we give merchants as close to BTC Pay Server as possible, but abstract away the node management to just make it super easy for them. So you set up your WordPress site or your Press the Shop site. You know, you input your API key and boom, you already have lightning payments, no KYC, um, privacy focus. So that's really like the idea behind Nodeless. There's no fiat integrations, no conversions, no bank accounts. Like the Satoshi is the native unit. That's all we work with. 
Um, so if you're if you're someone who's like you're into open source, you're into privacy, you run an online only shop, then Nodeless is trying to attract your business. Um, as far as far as for Open Node, um, we do both online and in person. We started online. We have all the popular plugins like the e-commerce. We are actually the first having the Shopify, and we have like big commerce shop, like any kind of e-commerce software. They might be thinking we're probably there with a one-click install. Um, I would say, um, being one of the first in the, in the network, we have a we bootstra- we we are really well connected, meaning that uh, you as a business will likely have not uh, any payment failures, which is like you know that's all you should care about at the end of the day. I want to make sure that consumers are able to pay for my product. So I think that's like the number one sell we have. Um, barely any failures. Um, we provide USD Euro conversion. So let's say. You don't want to touch your business is too big and you don't want to be exposed to Bitcoin. Um, we allow you to never be exposed to Bitcoin at any time. If you want to be dip your toes in the water and say, hey, I want 20%, you can just select 20% and you, everything is automated. You run your business, you don't need to care about any like Bitcoin implementation. Um, and yeah, we, we allow obviously automate everything from withdrawals, from bank withdrawals to Bitcoin withdrawals. Um, we allow to do custom integrations like the McDonald's ones. We have an API, super simple, Stripe-like API. Um, yeah, we've been here in the space for five years, probably one of the first to run uh, in production with Lightning. Uh, it's been a crazy journey. Um, but yeah, it's good to see new alternatives popping up. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, not going to repeat what's already been said here. <laughs> but um, I guess what makes this a little bit unique is... Uh, you know, we made the merchant payment solution, but uh, for me, the more interesting part is how we are enabling other payment system providers to also integrate Lightning into their solution. So, for example, uh, most recently, we signed this partnership with Bloco, who is, um, you know, they do POS systems for Latin America, and they are already processing credit cards, but now they're putting in Lightning alongside the credit card, debit card, you know, char- you know, what is a charging station? I don't know. Point of sale station? Yep. Or yeah, the point of sale station. Yeah, exactly. And also we've had some conversations with uh, other, you know, uh, let's call it NCR-like, uh, um, you know, systems. Uh, conversations still early. But uh, we really like uh, to think we want to bring this uh, ability to collect payments in Lightning to everybody. Would you say that you guys, like so Ibex, works with kind of bigger established players that want to offer Lightning as an option? Like, what's like the the typical Ibex like integration partner look like? Well, it it started to change a little bit. So initially, it was mostly you know uh, mostly. Crypto, Bitcoin, whatever focus clients of like exchanges, wallets, new solutions coming along. But now our client profile is starting to change a little bit. So it's more, you know, fintechs, uh, payment processors, settlement guys, settlement network people, uh, banking institutions, financial institutions. 
Okay, here's a maybe a spicy question. You guys ready? Uh, okay, uh, and I was kind of doing like interview style. I think that's okay. Um, like, so you guys are like kind of. I think one of the things about Bitcoin is that we really wanted to make a peer-to-peer payment system, right? Like, we really want people to be able to pay directly from the person making the payment to the person who's receiving it, right? But it sounds like, I mean, and I know, you know, Base Fifty Eight, we run, we use Open Node to process our our Bitcoin and Lightning payments. Um, uh, you know, that's a little embarrassing. I work on Lightning. Surely if I can't figure it out, you know, who else? Must is? be good. <laughs> um, you know, how are other people supposed to be figuring this out? Um, uh, what am I trying to say here? You know, like we have this dream that Lightning especially will be able to do like peer-to-peer payments. Um, uh, I know you so kind of maybe hinted at this in your previous answer, but like why... Why, why aren't we doing peer-to-peer? Why are we, like, asking, you know, people like yourselves who are specializing in this um, infrastructure to, like, accept payments? Like, like why, do we, why do we need this kind of, like, gap filler? Like, what's, what's missing there? Um, well, I have a couple thoughts on it. The first one is, like, if we're all going to agree to be small blockers, then we need to also agree that there are not, there's not enough block space for every single person and every single merchant in the world to have their own UTXO and their own Lightning channel. So we need a wide range of solutions that you know fit the profile of the individual merchants. Um, so that's sort of the first piece. The second one is that if you're going to integrate with different systems, then you need sort of like API access. Um, and some of that can come with a lot of security risk. You know, if you run a Lightning node, this is a hot wallet. And if you're suddenly like exposing your macaroon and your uh, security credentials over the internet, you don't know what you're doing, uh, you could lose all your coins. So it's a little bit dangerous for um, for people to just go at it all, all on their own. So, yeah. Bring a friend. Don't do it alone. Like, yeah, yeah okay. Um, I could say, um, for instance, when you're doing using dollars, you're already making a trade-off there. So um, if the trade-off is already done, might as well us to be able to provide you a better experience by being a managed solution, right? You were taking the trade-off anyway. So if we can use that bad thing to turn into a good thing, you know, why not? Um, I'll look at this as a, as a, a step, right, on, on our journey. Um, things are, might be a little bit more managed and custodial today because the tooling might, might not be there yet. But I don't want to lose the opportunity to bring new people and show, you know, businesses what Lightning can, can, can do. The idea is to get them on a managed solution and once once they're comfortable with it, give them own infrastructure. So like that's like our mission here. Um, so we have a few clients that completely use the managed solution, but at some point they start getting comfortable and say, hey, I want to you know, run my own thing even though you can still manage my services. So that's like the, the path we're, we're going to, towards. Um, but you know, we can expect, um, not everyone is an engineer. Right, so most of the people are just business owners. They just they just want an, another uh, payment alternative for their business. So, um, you know. So you guys see what you're doing is like optionality. It's like people that want to continue running their business. They want to add the ability for to accept Lightning payments. So um, maybe we can come back to this to kind of like demand for making payments with Lightning, right? Um, but so so what you guys are offering is the opportunity to accept payments in Lightning and then. 
um, kind of maybe graduate to managing it on your own if you want to. Yeah, just, you know, like you're talking with, let's say, a big company. Uh, when they add credit cards, they don't know how credit cards work. They just plug in Stripe, right? Yeah. So it's like it's already hard to sell them on Bitcoin. Imagine if I had to tell them they have to run this whole infrastructure. So the idea is then give something managed that they really don't have to take spend any time on. And eventually when they're hooked up on it, you say, hey, what about if you do this? You can control, you know, the, that's like the... The, the path, I would say, uh, we're trying to, uh, to put. So orange pilling of the Exactly. One, one, one day at a time. Uh. Um, for me, well, first it would be helpful to define uh, kind of peer-to-peer. So let's say is email peer-to-peer, right? Or WhatsApp or any of these services. So it's kind of a little bit murky because it is, but it isn't, right? And like... You know, my co-panelists here explained, they, um, the running of Lightning is not super straightforward. It is at least as complex as, you know, setting up your own server infrastructure or an email server. So how many people are feasibly going to be do, able to do this in a safe and secure manner? Because at the end of the day, funds are at risk, right? Um, it does introduce certain, you know, uh, issues with regards to... Um, you know, situations like custody and then uh, restriction to access and stuff because anybody that's, uh, you know, a lightning service provider of any, of any kind is subject or can be potentially a target for, you know, regulators and uh, law enforcement, et cetera, right? So um, we don't play that close to the customer at the end of the day. Uh, ourselves particularly so because we're you know serving businesses that then serve the customer um so businesses usually it's more about convenience and about ease of use and uh, being able to receive payments right and just moving value around than you know necessarily how it gets done that's what we find I would say what's important in the future is that the consumers of these merchants are able to transact within these services, right? From a, a sensor uh, perspective. So like the businesses are already businesses. They're used to these, you know, these managed solutions. But as long as their customers can either run a fully custodial or non-custodial wallet are able to pay these businesses, I think that's what really matters. Yeah, so I think, I think that's a great lead-in to kind of, I think the next thing here is like, where is the demand? Like, I think one thing for Lightning, like, Lightning really works really well when it's, like, a circular economy sale thing, right? When you've got payments moving in, like, both directions. Um, when you've got people that are receiving Bitcoin over Lightning are also, like, able to pay it, that sort of thing. Um, where do you guys think, like, the demand for merchants being able to accept Lightning is coming from? Is it the merchants who are like, hey, we've got credit card fees and this is, like, way too much money. I don't want to be paying this much just to accept a payment. Like, 3 to 4% is ridiculous, right? Like, that's a huge amount of the money I'm earning that I'm paying just to, just to get that money in my hands, right? Or is it coming from, like, do you think demand of their services? Like, you know, people in the community are like, hey, I want to pay you, but I can only pay you with Bitcoin. Have you guys, do you guys have any insight into that? How do you think? Maybe we start at the other, start at the other end. Well, what we're seeing is besides, let's say, a jurisdiction like El Salvador where merchants have been kind of 
you know, force their hand into accepting Bitcoin. Uh, even there, it's more Bitcoiners uh, that arrive in El Salvador that kind of like want to pay with Bitcoin and it's going to be their experience and they're asking the merchants for that. Uh, you have unique focal points like, uh, you know, the places in Bitcoin Beach where we have a couple of customers directly. So some hotels and stuff that, you know, they they do regular transactions. Um, then outside of, uh, let's say, that unique situation uh, where we see more success on the merchant side, as at least are when it's Bitcoiner owned businesses. So the owner of the business is a Bitcoiner. He wants to accept Bitcoin. And it's really interesting because right now, although we do offer the fiat conversion um, for these customers, I would say something in the neighborhood of 90% of payments are just kept in Bitcoin. They see it as a, an alternative to DCA, right? So, yeah, uh, for us, that's kind of the mix right now. And where we see adoption is honestly with Bitcoiners. I would say depends on uh, the region. Um, so if we're talking El Salvador, as you mentioned, they were kind of forced to do it. And in the beginning, it was very weird for them in the sense like, why do we have to do this? But eventually they started to realize, um, you know, the benefits of it. And we work with a few like telecom companies there where they receive cross-border payments. So it suddenly made sense for them why anyone in the United States can just pay the internet bill of their family. Um, you know, so it's, it's actually solving something. And they're like, oh, we actually want to expand this to other countries here in Latin. So you have those cases and then you have the traditional like, yeah, we were forced to do this. Well, we have to do this. Um, but I would say in the United States um, specifically, I would say the industries are deemed as high risk, are still fully legal, compliant, but banks don't want to serve them are definitely the candidates for these type of solutions. They come to us. We don't come to them it's because it's an actual a need. And if you think about it, their customers already have big friction when trying to pay their business. So you're not having more friction, you're probably reducing it. Um, so I'd say that's the number one um, industry in the United States. Uh, luxury, it's another one. Um, high ticket items. There's a lot of rich people that have Bitcoin from the early days. They're, they want to spend instead of selling. Talking about cars, watches, yachts, everything. So that's another industry. Um, and then you have the, you know, the fintechs. Um, they're trying to... Um, increase their efficiency on their payments, specifically the ones that do international payments. Um, and if you can use Bitcoin as, as a rail instead of the asset, um, that's something that there, we've seen a lot of interest lately. Um, but yeah, I would say those are mostly our um, customers. Um, so a couple of thoughts on this. The first one is like payments are a chicken and egg sort of problem, right? So if you're a merchant, you know, why would I accept Bitcoin if Barely anyone wants to use it. And then if you're a Bitcoiner, it's like, why should I take my stats out of cold storage if I can't spend it anywhere? Um, so these two sides sort of reinforce each other. Um, so there's that piece. And then, you know, for merchants, yeah, credit card companies, like the 3% fee is almost like the least of the problems. All the credit card fraud, dispute fees, like Stripe just announced yesterday that even if you win your dispute, you still don't get your dispute fee back. Right. Because they had to incur expenses to process it. So it's like there's not even any point of fighting them anymore. Um, but on the flip side with Bitcoin, it's like, OK, I accept my this Bitcoin payment this week. I hodl it. And then next week it dropped 20 percent. Like maybe I should have just 
paid the 3% fee, or maybe I send it to my exchange, I convert it, I had a capital gain, now I have accounting and taxes. So it's like, you know, there, there are trade-offs sort of on both sides, you know, like lightning is not the be all end all, but in my view, it's certainly an improvement. Uh, I would dispute that a little bit in the capital gains part, because you can just instantly convert as soon as the payment comes in. This is what we do for, let's say, our customers in El Salvador. They charge $10, they receive $10. There's no, like, we can use Lightning just as payment rails. We don't need to care about what the endpoints are. And I'm going to be a little biased. The world is not just the United States. So just because we have capital gains here doesn't mean the rest of the world has it. No, so. but, but even if, if every country in the world had capital gains, Lightning moves so fast that in the moment that the transaction gets executed, let's say I make a payment, I can instantly sell that Bitcoin with a liquidity provider and there is zero tax capital tax, tax gains because there's zero movement in the price. It's instant. Yeah, that's why, at least for us, it's such a big uh, popular feature with big companies because they don't want to, the accounting, they don't want to mess with that. They have enough problems, so they just turn everything to 100% conversion. And if they issue an invoice for $10, they will receive exactly $10. Now you can see the bias in the panel. Like, we don't do any fiat, and we tell everyone to hodl, don't sell, because if you sell, you're going to have all these problems. Um, so, yeah, you know, different strokes for different folks. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe I just kind of want to like highlight maybe for people who aren't quite understanding the capital gains thing, just sort of like maybe give like a little explain around that. So if you receive a payment and then it at the same price, like, you know, the price movements up and down kind of every other minute, whatever. If you when you receive Bitcoin, if you receive it and sell it at the same price. So before the price moves, there's you don't have to do anything. There's no like accounting there, right? So that's kind of what these guys are talking about. Um, sounds like Ibex and OpenNode have an option that's in a default setting where when you receive a payment, they will automatically sell that Bitcoin on your behalf and credit your account for the USD value. And that saves you a lot of accounting paperwork um, if you're not already doing, I would say, Bitcoin accounting, right? So it turns Bitcoin into a payment rails that you can use without having to hold Bitcoin. Is that a good, accurate kind of summary there? Okay, cool. Um, yeah. It is. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas the nodeless option that UTXO does, they're Bitcoin only, it sounds like. They don't manage any of the trading, the exchange stuff. They'll just help you accept Bitcoin and then figure out how you can, if you want to exchange it, you have to do that later, et cetera, is a kind of a cool trade-off there. Um, do you guys have any, like, uh, suggestions or, like, I don't know, if someone's, like, considering, like, accepting payments, et cetera, is there stuff that, like, you would want them to think about, like, is it like, okay, there's nothing you need to think about, like, just go out and do it. Um, I don't know. Is there like a, is there like a system that you recommend people that are like new to getting into it? I guess like whenever you guys like see people that come to you, like what's the typical story? Is it like all across the board? I don't know. Tell us some stories about merchants accepting like lightning. If that makes sense. I was going to say like, you have to come with me with a problem. I'm not going to solve you a solution for a problem you don't have. Right. So usually um, when we have inbound is that somehow there is a problem with their business, either the chargebacks, um, either they're trying to set a rail to a different country, um, you know, and depending on the problem, we can apply the solution. Um, but uh, yeah, so if you have a problem, come to me. I'll give you the solution. 
What's the, is there an interesting problem that you've solved lately, like in the last? Yeah, I would say um, with uh, others, uh, African countries, um, they're having problems uh, repatriating the money um, to uh, internationally because the government imposes limits how much they can um, sell their uh, uh, currency there. There's FX limits. So Bitcoin is this tricky way to, you know, to just be able to get money out of capital out of the country. So you just buy Bitcoin and, and remit to other entity outside of, of the country. And you don't lose any value because, as you mentioned, you can immediately buy and sell on the other side. So that's just a, a interesting one. Yeah, uh, well, for us, it's uh, it's a little bit different, like I said, because, you know, we're the cost, our customers, the customer, right? So we're a little bit like behind the payment processors. And um, so we do come up with these uh, kind of like solutions because for us, Lightning really, you know, being such a superior payments technology and settlement network, right? Because it really is unlike anything the world has ever seen before. Uh, you got to dig really deep into payments to kind of understand this. But, you know, there is a, there are some very good reasons why we cannot get beyond T plus one in international settlement. And it all boils down, I'm going to break it down real simple. It's just about database coordination. So any international payment has an average, let's say, five hops. That means that those are five databases that need to be coordinated. This introduces a lot of room for error and a lot of risk. And the only way to mitigate it is high fees, so it's a high cost operation, and then time. So you got to delay every time you do a hop. Um, versus, let's say, the Lightning Network, which really... The biggest advantage is that we're all operating on a global single database, so a single source of truth makes it super efficient. So it's going to enable us to do things that have been heretofore unthinkable, like unthinkable. And I, I was in panels here, so you know some people have talked about it. So the AI payments, the Internet of Things payments, we actually lightning facilitates, you know. Uh, an Internet of Things business model. And for us, what's key here is about how low can you go, right? Because this is not about paying for another cup of coffee like with a different asset or anything like that. This is about, you know, what commercial opportunities are going to be out there that are currently unthinkable. And so, you know, we have things that are started to kind of come up like the, you know, real-time payment of uh, streaming services, right? So you pay a couple of Satoshis per second listen or something like that. You can set your flow rate. Uh, you can do, you know, um, instead of subscription services, you can disrupt that model as well. So you can put in, you know, micro paywalls. So payments for two cents to read an article online. Um, yeah, so when we go to uh, our customers who are the payment providers and that type of stuff, this is the use cases we bring them. Like, you know, you can make your operations a lot more efficient and you can enable new customers experience where you are actually transacting value for value, where your customer is transacting value for value. And this is like the key, right? Because the ideal way to do business anywhere is if you can pay exactly for the service you received and there's no subscription there's no prepayment or even worse there's or even better there's no ad revenue model where you are the product right so 
ideally that that is the change we want to see. Um, I'll just share one quick cool little story from one of our clients is a SaaS company and just like most SaaS companies, it's like recurring monthly revenue. Um, but since accepting Bitcoin payments, they are able to introduce a new product line that is not subscription based. Um, you know, you can just use the software for like one day, you pay like a one day fee. Um, so they're actually able to introduce like new product lines, new business models by being able to accept these like micro payments or nano payments. You know, they're getting so small. Um, so it was really exciting to see just like business owners and entrepreneurs, like the wheel starts spinning suddenly when, you know, you can enable these really low fee payments. Cool. So it sounds like this is really unlocking like new creativity in businesses. And so like, you know, the entire economy grows when new services are able to be provided, right? And people can pay for things. So that's really cool. It's a cool thing to highlight, I think. Cool. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, thanks everyone for showing up. This has been awesome time. Let's get, maybe if you guys have one last comment from our, our speakers, we'll do like, if you have like, what's your, I don't know, it's your final thing that you would like want to leave with the audience with about merchant adoption or accepting payments through uh, Lightning. Um, well, I'll just say for, for Nodeless, we actually have a big push to get people eventually off of our platform. So, you know, on our Twitter account, we're promoting people to try Voltage out, you know, like they have a very easy way to spin up BTC Pay Server. You know, it's a little more complicated than using Nodeless, but it's not like running your own hardware in your house and doing DNS and all this kind of thing. Um, so just like, you know, Coinbase might be a funnel for Ledger and then that's a funnel for cold card and people go on their journey. Like it's important for Nodeless that, you know, if you are capable and it is important to you to be self-sovereign, that we have an easy way to push you into that. And that's why um, Nodeless also built our API to work one for one with DTC Pay Server. So if you want to migrate over to your own solution, you just change your API key and it, it just works. Um, I would say we're a very, in a very different spot that we were five years ago when kind of this started. Um, so I'm excited for the what's going to happen in the next five years. Um, I think we are going to be a little bit surprised positively. Um, we've seen a lot of uh, demand and interest from traditional industries. And once they see the advantages of this technology and how it can improve their uh, businesses, it's going to be a, a no-brainer. So I'm super excited about the future. Yeah, I guess what I kind of want to leave everybody here with, it's not specific to merchants or this type. It's uh, more about the adoption of this technology. So uh, what we have to understand is how uh, network effect, effects based technologies, which this most certainly is one of, works. And the thing with network effect technologies is that at the start, right, it everything is very high cost, very low utility, right? So for example, you know, the telephone and network effects technology, if you have one telephone, it's super expensive, no utility, right? You have 10, a little less expensive and some utility, but not much, right? It's when you get into the multiple millions where you really, you know, the cost is virtually nothing and the utility is huge, like the value add is huge, right? But we are right now in that phase of the network where it's really kind of expensive, comparatively speaking, to the future. But also the utility is not that high because, as you mentioned, you know, you, you need the merchant and the customer to both adopt the technology at the same time. 
You need to have enough people to transact with. You need to have enough businesses to transact with. And the way we get, you know, past that and continue adding users is if our technology is good enough and adds enough value or creates enough savings, if you will, that it makes it compelling to people to adopt it. Uh, I do firmly believe Lightning is this technology. So we just got to kind of set it out, continue to build, continue to create the solutions that, you know, the market is going to want to use and pivot and, and continue to iterate over them. But once we hit, you know, the escape velocity of a, net, of a network effects, then it's just gravy. Cool. Great. Thanks, everyone. Yeah.